Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, we are attending Vampire Workroom, of course, and today I have uh, DJ. Hello. And Brennan. Hey everyone. And today we're going to do an, an interesting take. What I'm going to do is I'm going to switch it over to uh, uh, Brennan to field this, but I need to explain why. It's not that I'm not going to have questions or not participate. What it is, is two things. One, this book I actually haven't used. I've owned it. I've looked at it. I've kind of pieced through it. And this time going through it again, I have some real, I'm in your seat, those of you listening. Like it's, it might be like you that you bought this book when Requiem was hot and it came out and then they threw in a new thing and it just seemed like everything was being thrown out for Requiem at a point that was so fast it was almost impossible to keep up with. And most of my friends are still stuck on, you know, old school uh, vampire, as, as, I, as I like to call it now and again. Um, but they weren't big into Requiem. And this time around, as we're reading through the book, most of the stuff I had used and had a working familiarity as a player in an ST. Uh, but this book, I haven't. So I, I went through it, read it, and I decided I'm going to turn over to the experts that we have. And that, of course, being Brennan and DJ. Uh, with Brennan agreeing to kind of take, take over and kind of throw out his start and how he wants to go through it, I'm going to let him do that. The second thing is, I want to re-clarify. Every now and then we're going to do this, and I'm going to do it one more time. There are people who get triggered listening to me have insights and opinions. And this is a friendly reminder, folks. This, these are reviews of books. I am not out to hurt your feelings. Uh, that's not my goal. It's not anybody's goal here. Uh, but we do have suggestions. We do have opinions about how we've used material and how we've seen it done. And more importantly, how we take it as we learn of it and we understand it. If that varies from you and you feel that it's wrong, check yourself. Literally sit down, take a breath and check yourself and understand that we're not saying we can't control anything you do with the material any more than the authors of the books can tell you how to use the material once it's in your hand. Like, remember that. You are in control of your life and how you use your stuff. But if you happen to agree with us and you like our viewpoint, it's a different matter. And if that's the case and you still feel that you want to give an opinion or say something, remember feed forward is what we look for, not feedback. Feed forward is when you you can disagree with a point or anything that's said, message us and say you do, but then give why you disagree with a point, something that we can respond to to have a constructive, collaborative effort to meet in the middle or agree to disagree. That's what adults do. However, if you can't do that and you have big feelings about it, maybe skip posting. It's not that we want to come back at you, but it's one of those things where I'm going to be honest, I don't care about how you feel about it. I'm going to state that when you're angry and that upset and it's just a game and it's fictitious and it's nothing, none of this is real. I don't care what you think about that in that negative context. But if what you're saying is I'm missing out on fun based on how you use it, or there's an insight that you use something that would make it even better. Or even if you're inspired to use the material, the way I mentioned or DJ mentioned or Brennan mentioned in this podcast or any of the other ones, and you have a different way to use it, please let us know. 
give us that give us that feed forward. We're more than happy to talk about it, maybe even use it and mention you in the pod. But with that, without further ado, thanks, folks, for your time. Uh, Brennan, take it away. All right, folks. So uh, like Bob was saying, uh, we're cracking open uh, Sacraments and Blasphemies, the blood sorcery book. It's a bit of a mouthful. Um, and this is um, this is what I hear people talk about, like one of the least talked about books. Right. But out of all the ones that I consistently reference, like both playing in a Requiem LARP and like running Requiem games, this book is the one I, I reference the most more than any other uh, even the core book and just going into it uh, when you hear blood source, you think, all right, so it's about Kruak and uh, Theban, but that's only like a section of it. Um, it, and how it changes that is it expands it more as we're going to get into, right? So that uh, setting up like how you can create rituals, adding new ones, adding new mechanics to it. Because in the, if you go up and especially if you read that first uh, edition book, they talk about it, but they don't really talk about it, right? There's a lot of questions and like, how is this different from other disciplines? Uh, did either of you have that feeling? I don't think we talked about that a lot when we reviewed the first Ed core book. No, I don't think we did. And you mentioning it, that's exactly what I wanted to ask afterwards. It's like, what? Did, I, mean, I guess because you're asking me, I'll go ahead and answer it first before bouncing it back to you in terms of your thoughts. But it it gives a very brief overview but for those of us that came over from Masquerade, we had a, like a great idea of how thermaturgy worked out, why there was mm-hmm. such a like ritual behind certain things, why certain vampires were able to wield it to such a fashion. But you know, up, the only inferences that we received regarding Kruak and Theban Sorcery came from our Covenant books because the core book just didn't seem to cover it well enough, and we had like a very vague idea of how to play around with it. But we as players usually want to expand more on it, and it felt a little bit lacking. I'll agree with you there. Well, I'm I'm going to say that uh, for one, using uh, the the requiem material, you had to walk in thinking this is just like thaumaturgy. You didn't have anything else mm-hmm. to yep. see it, except it never felt right. It never mm-hmm. felt that it, it doesn't feel right. Uh, for instance, what is Kruak? Like, what is that? Now, I mean, I understand, you know, why it, why it belongs in the covenant and what they consider it and its rituals. But to me, that's like sorority fraternity stuff. You have rituals because you can only get it from them. And they're the only ones who use it for whatever reason. And I've even seen it in some places that, you know, the denial of advancements there. And if you don't belong to them, there's no way you can get this. Right. Where it's just flat out stating, hey, your players need this in order to get that. Otherwise, they have no way to ever learn of this. And I said to myself, if that's true, then what came first? Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Because, like, if you need the covenant, the covenant covenant to have Kruak then really what is Kruak? Right? Because to me, blood sorcery is one thing and blood sorcery implies I'm immortal. I have blood and I experimented in a lab and whatever. And I, I even, I even, and, and let me be fair. I even think that's goofy. We'll get to that later because I think it takes away from vampire being a vampire. When you suddenly are uh, Mickey mouse, the vampire, the wizard right. vampire. Right. So and that's where it kind of feels right. Cause like we didn't have enough with disciplines. Apparently we got to be over here, but now you call it something Kruak and it's gotta be something more. So I just asked that question. Um, what, what do you guys think it is? Like what, what does the book say Kruak is to you? So for me, when it's, when it's talking about Kruak, um, and I really didn't get this until I actually read into this book, like even starting from the second Ed uh, Requiem book, it was um, 
Kurak is is completely distinct from other other blood sorceries. And even then, I just got the feeling the term blood sorcery was almost solely a mechanical thing. Because when you start reading about Kruak and like all these different rights that it has, it's completely different from Theban sorcery or what the architects of the monolith have. Because what they had, their fourth discipline was really just a different blood sorcery. So uh, with, with Kruak, you know, it has, a, it has a bunch of different tenets that the book will put out. Right. Um, most particularly that it's it's wild, it's chaotic. And more than that, it's uh, it's inherently corrupting. It's not a um, it is the the worshipers, the acolytes, not just using their their own vitae or using their own beast, but literally calling in worship or to something that they call the crone. And that might take many different forms given different cults that the crone that constitute the circle of the crone. But the thing that really only binds both Kruak and Theban sorcery together is that there is a call to something external, right? So the, the sanctified have their like, it's, it's religious for them. They're not praying to God or even Longinus, but for different angels and Kruak does that similarly. However, that's about the, where the, the similarities end. Ah, that's uh, just just kick me in the teeth right there. How do you pray to God? How how do you not pray to God, but you can pray to an angel, right? And then and then praying any angel works. But be sure you don't give don't give big ups to God. But if you talked over here, Hezekiah, the angel of of flour and dough making, you're okay to like. You know what I mean? Like you can almost riff on that aspect of mm-hmm. it uh, to mm-hmm. say it, but it doesn't make sense. Well. Here's the thing. I'm a realist when it when it comes to this stuff. And what I mean by that is I need it to be tangible to me. I, I like to fantasize. What is is this possible? Does this make a logical sense? Like the obligatory crone, the fact that the crone could be according to the covenant, it doesn't have to be anything but a feminine aspected spirit. That's basically what they made it. And as long as that feminine aspected spirit is there and correct me if I'm wrong, you're aces. Like we could say it's Medusa. But really, it's the crumb. And we could change how that's worshipped and everything else and do that because we're in we're over in Greece. We deal with the mythology of it and we do our we do our uh, our circle of the crone different. And that's and that's what it is. It's still at the core, supposed to be of the crone, different names, different titles. That's okay. But strangely. Worship as you like. Worship's not supposed to be something that's hidden. And what I mean by Mm -hmm. that is if I'm worshiping Medusa, it's Medusa. If we're going to add a game called the mechanic, the crone, that's okay, because that's how we understand the rules will work. But in mm-hmm. character, the faith connection is supposed to be because it's Medusa. And mm-hmm. it's just as an example. So I'm trying to get behind it, because to me, if all we're doing is putting on different hats to represent the same thing, then I kind of feel that Kruak is just sort of forced signature disciplines. For a bloodline that never happened, which is which is the crone. Right. That's does that make sense? Like for me, I have to wrap my brain around like I joined this covenant. I'm basically giving up what my clan is because really my clan's now this covenant. And why mm-hmm. I say that is because they're more important because they have tangible power in the form of Kruak. Does that make sense? Because what's my clan after I joined the covenant and they're increasing my power? Uh, no, what you're saying does make sense, and uh, I we had a I I remember having a similar thought when we were going over the crone book itself, right? Like a similar question: Is it uh, what makes a a crone deity? What how can you assign that as a facet of it, right? And um, while the the feminine 
uh, imagery is predominant in the circle of the crone. It's not, it's always constant. It doesn't necessarily have to be feminine or any kind of gender, but the things that tie it together are certain concepts like um, there is a focus on creation and on growing stronger, but not necessarily political power like that. It's more specifically growth through tribulation. It is the like breaking someone down to build them up. And there is the uh, almost king of the hill mentality of it that it is the uh, strength is the pursuit. Okay. Uh, but for the as to what um, I, I feel like part of that question was like, uh, how does how does blood? How does crew act? Why is that just an acolyte thing? Why is that not something that everyone had? Because not every faith would have been part of the Circle of the Crone. Because the Circle of the Crone wasn't always around. We reviewed Requiem for Rome. Mm -hmm. That was there. Um, And to even go on a little bit more with that, how does that work with, uh, what was that blood sorcerer called? Venefectia? Something like that. The Audrey one, yeah. Yeah. Right. So the, the idea is like, and this book doesn't outright state state this but the the like reading from it all there is something about kindred connection between all of these that the um because this is world of darkness all these faiths are real to to some degree because there are other supernatural things out there there is some connection that your beast your vampires can make with things outside of themselves and in this case it takes and for the religious covenants, obviously, it takes a religious connection. Those different works of magic that they uh, suppose in miracles, they're still able to channel that like you would hear in like mythological tales, right? Whether that is actually wielding power or beseeching the gods for their effect. So like belabor that point a little bit. I think we talked about it in a bloodline book. Um do you remember reading about a bloodline called uh, like Star or something like that? It was like STU. Then it was like a us. Uh, anyway, that bloodline is not really important so much that they mention something in that bloodline that they expound on in second edition. And it's that kindred have a corrupting uh, effect on the things around them. Like ghoulings, an example, right? You feed your blood to a ghoul and you change them with your power. But it goes beyond mm. that. A kindred longstanding in a territory, the people in the territory itself will change to reflect them. And, and this is the important bit, the kindred will change in turn to match with the other people. And now that's the part where we jump the shark. Right? I mm-hmm. call that jump the, you know, you know, the famous jump the shark. If you don't get it, that's where things get weird. They feel yes. off the pale. Because what it is, it's like it's forced religious mechanic that's now, boom, in your face. It's here. And it makes it to where you can universally put, what by what you're saying, any mythological faith, or which really isn't mythological, what you're saying. It's connected to something, mm-hmm. right? They just don't know what it is, and so they call it whatever it is. But my whole crux of it is, is like, let's pause the whole fact of what they worship and go, how is that possible? Uh, because... There's two facets of uh, of like like esoterica worship that you can get into when they teach you know spells. The mm-hmm. ritual itself is to work your mind into a state that opens you up to the to the ether, if you will. It mm-hmm. makes you one with the harmonies of the universe and like humming at the right tune at the right time or saying the right mm-hmm. intonation and the right words. It's to get that exact sound, syllabic, blood right, death or whatever to put you in the state that makes you the focal point to open up and harness the power that normally you can't do it. Mm-hmm. That's the point of ritual. 
And if that's the case, then looking at something like, oh, let's let's make it simpler. We get Tremere and their thaumaturgy, or really, it is them um, doing the same thing. It's like I always said this. It's you wanted mage, but they wanted you to play vampire. So here you go. Hmm. You're, you're playing Tremere, and it's blood magic they're using. But to make it not weird, other clans will give blood magic to at a later date, mm-hmm. right? which is how that went. And that's fine. We see this trick here again, except Requiem had a real chance to try real hard to explain Kruak. And Kruak, I was like, all right, I'm getting behind this. There's some, there's something here that says I got to do something bloody and weird to get something bloody and weird to happen. And boom, it's done. Is this a manifestation of the beast? That's the question. And when I read this book and I'm looking at it, they're basically hinting at the fact that, well, yeah, you're scratching the surface. Of, of of that beast when you're using the normal disciplines, mm-hmm. right? But that's it. Can you go deeper is the question. And correct doesn't say you can. It just they treat it like this is another fast. This is another discipline. And to me, if it's another discipline, why are we trying so hard to call it magic? I I took it a little bit differently, right? Because the book goes through the aspect of templating. I guess to give the this book is a toolbox to start off with, right? We should at least definitely say that because we don't want players and or our audience to think that okay, we're only debating Kruak and and Theban sorcery. They are our templates for what builds up on blood sorceries. Please clarify. Please clarify. Well, I'm not. Right. I yeah. Just, so explain to me because I'm not trying to be debatable. What I'm saying oh, is course, help me find a common understanding because the way right, you right, said right, that right, right, right there was like you know we're not trying to argue. I, a little bit. Oh, no, right? not that. I should probably say to clar- for clarification purposes, right? This helps you kind of understand the basis of where our magic or our blood sorcery is coming from. Mm-hmm. So when I read the template for Kruak in terms of it being corrupting, wild, and pagan, this is stuff that we've already touched upon in the circle of the Chromebook because Brennan wasn't wrong when he says we're scratching the surface. I agree with you, Bob, being how you get the beast to come to the fore. But when you look at Kruak, and how it applies to the crone. Once again, the template of, of how they bring their power forth is to dig deep into the beast, right? The lower the humanity you have, the easier it is for you to meditate upon the things that will allow you to create this magic, this blood sorcery to come to the fore. And it is an aspect of it. It is not to say as well that it can't apply to any other religion in any other form, but in this way, it helps our players recognize, okay, this is the template of how they bring their blood sorcery forth, right? On the opposite end, we talk about Theban sorcery, right? Theban sorcery is will working. That's closer. So to hang on, hang on. Let's know. let's let's slow this. I think oh. this happens a lot right. when people know yep. a thing. They like to rapidly go through it, and I'm one of those yep, yep, people yep. where I asked a direct question. I'm still there. So before we yeah. push forward past Kruak, because I got another thing in Theban here. Uh-huh. Uh, let's let's stick to Kruak. And here's the thing: yep, yep. what you just said, I think, hits hard. And it, I mean, meaning it's actually traction what I was looking for between you both. And I appreciate you working with me on this. So what you're both saying is don't think of Kruak as necessarily a religion unto itself. They're not walking into a temple, sitting down, praying oh. to Medusa and or the crone mm. or Lilith or whatever you want to call it. And then magic's bestowed upon them. What they're doing is they're going in and using that as a focal point for their rituals to erode the control of their humanity over the beast to open themselves up to that curse and the sacrifice mm. is their own resistance in that humanity. Their yes. human side has to be sacrificed yes. to allow the beast to let that power come to the fore. Yes. Um, I, well I, yeah, that, that, that's a, a baseline uh, that I can agree with and jump off of. And that um, I think 
DJ was was saying this, but not in those certain terms. This is, uh, I think, this book was the first instance where we saw the effect of humanity on blood sorcery. I think one of the alt rules in this, and I can double check it later, was um, as you learn more Kruak, it permanently caps the amount of humanity you could possibly have, such that if you had Kruak 1, you could only have 9. But if you had Kruak 5, you could only have a max of 5. And that was because the process of learning Kruak and diving more into it severs you, takes you away from humanity and permanently closer to the beast. Because another way that blood sorcery is different from disciplines is that Obviously, they're not innate. They're all learned, right? All these other disciplines that we have, we're used to, you know, I can use celerity and action be on the other cross on the other side of the room. But all of this magic is ritual magic, like Bob was talking about with other ritual magic, because it's supposed to like get you into a trance or like a state of mind that you can be receptive to things. None of these are off the cuff. They all take time and preparation. Even the, uh, even Kruak, which isn't as uh, purpose driven. Uh, as Theban sorcery is, it still has that component. There's still a learning to it, an exploration of it, not just developing uh, a stronger beast. Okay. And uh, that to me is, is important, and we made that distinction. I appreciate that, guys. Um, I'm satisfied. Please continue. <laughs> well, hell yeah. All right. Um, so with that, I think we can move on to Theban sorcery. Um, this one was always a uh, harder one for me to wrap my head around than just Kruak because it always felt like all the blood sorcery here. It always felt different, but this one was like the most different to me, right? Like I can get behind. This is like a, a learned thing that is a takes more ritual in practice and like actual study because it's a. Um, well, it's will based. This doesn't. Um, and this was the thing that really threw me off. This these are the only powers that aren't derived from blood at all. Vite uh, wasn't involved with it. So every time I was like, all right, if that's the case, why is this only for vampires? Why, why can't ghouls learn this? Right. Um, and it didn't. I, it's I think it's because it's. So, because in the creation story for it, it was given to Kindred by like an actual angel. Um, and I don't know, man, I guess it still hits me weird. DJ, do you do you see how like I'm having a hard time even now still understanding like the the foundation of Theban sorcery? Right. And, you know, it's funny you should mention that because prior to this book, I felt the exact same way you did. I'm like, there's got to be some sort of crazy MacGuffin because... <laughs> It's external. We, just speaking about Kruak, understand, and we know that most of our disciplines are beast-based, but yet this is the other. And I think that's exactly what they're also trying to hammer down in, is it is other. You know, the aspects in this book that's being given for this template is like, this power is judgmental, right? What does it mean by it? When you call upon it, it has, it for good, bad, for anything else, when you ask it to do, it will go ahead and do so. Um, this power is also considered holy. Holy, I wouldn't exactly use the word for, but they say holy because it definitely does feel as other. Because the moment you enact any of these types of rituals or call upon its power, you know it's not coming from you. It's coming mm -hmm. from something else, right? Something else is actually performing it because you have summoned it to do so. And then the last one is it's deliberate, which I do agree with, which is this is the difference, right? This is a deliberate thing. You are using your willpower to call it into being. I think, you know, well, my opinion, based on how it's written, it's closer to what we 
know from thaumaturgy. And if you spin the light a little bit, I can reconcile it a little bit. But the template itself, and like I was saying before, the MacGuffin is, you said it was summoned by an angel. But how do we really know it was summoned by an angel? Not only that, but we also know from Theban sorcery, this is old, older than, than religion. We know it was it was an angel because the book, this book, says it was. Not in character, right, right, not right. anything else. It says in canon, an angel it taught angel, a canine how correct. to do it. And you're True. using quotations for angel. They said flat out, an angel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> an angel. And not just any angel, an angel who doesn't care about mankind's sense of morality. Right. Uh-huh. There is a truth here. There, There is a thing mm-hmm. where you want to say angels can save you and they're here for mankind. Are they? Uh, there are two are... cities in Old Testament that got burned down by angels, I'm pretty sure. I don't... Uh... Right. So this opens a very dangerous door. This right. is to mm-hmm. say that angels are intervening on the hand of vampires and to the positive. It's giving them more power. But why? Now... Does this relate to the God machine? I don't know. Nothing I've read in Requiem to this point, right along with everybody else, has related to the nonsense of that whatsoever. Uh-huh. But is this one of those things and we haven't gotten there and we we don't know what it is yet? I mean, it's it's possible. But I think mm-hmm. reviewing and reading this book, and it's supposed to be vampire, this is why people walked away from Requiem. Like you had new people, not just this, but like this type of stuff that it's too hidden, it's too jump the shark. Now it's mm-hmm. not relatable. It has always been a tradition that anything related to Christ or real angels or anything, God was not someone who you can walk to the next door, uh, next church who walked out and said, no, not now, not you, vampire, and reduce you to ash, <laughs> and you were dead. Right there, In other words, it would be like true faith, maybe, and that's that's what it would be at best, or it's a hunter, or the frog brothers who have a cross and they could use our mm-hmm. holy water. There were, there were different mundane aspects, but it always had humans armed with faith that were coming for you. And for some reason it worked on you because it was believed you're immortal by a curse of God. However, if you're cursed by God, what's an angel doing teaching you blood sorcery? Right. And in Requiem, there's no hard origin though. And we have to remember that. Uh And I had that too, but then I sat there and said, then are vampires in Requiem just aliens? Right. They're just almost an otherly creature because at this point, without an origin story that you can stand on, what am I playing? Mm-hmm. Right. That's what it comes down to. And like, and like, what does that mean? Do you need the curse from God to be an immortal? And yes, the draw to Dracula was the fact that he did it for love, but was cursed by God to do what he could for the love of his land and was a horrible person doing it. Right. That's, that's the whole draw. Um, you, your, your whole popular series, Queen of the Dam was because, you know, God was a thing as far as they believed. And, and that was part of their world, but to a different aspect. And they have a weird origin, too. But even by their say, they wanted to take from Christianity the ability to say they were stopped by God or that God could just make them cease because there were people far older than that religion. Mm-hmm. So they don't know what's out there. But maybe it was a misinterpretation by man to say, OK, you were cursed by God to be a vampire. But what God did it? And if this is what this is saying, then, OK, I can get behind that. But you you distinguish this by saying an angel. Well, I got a problem with that. An angel makes it Christian, right? Absolutely throws that in the wheelhouse of uh, people of the book. And you're trying to figure out what that is. And I'm like, well, why I have a hard time, Brennan? You said you had a hard time with this too. Well, why I do is because, well, doesn't that make the Lancaeus Sanctum correct? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, every once in a while I think about this too, right? Like, doesn't the, the existence of Theban sorcery 
it being given by an, an angel. And if they, why would an angel help these monsters? Well, it's because according to the Lankaya, they're monsters that are cursed by God for a reason, not just as a curse. They have a duty here to perform. And that's what they do by tempting mortals. They're not, Lankaya isn't all like blood drinking, devouring, mass slaughtering monsters. They do occasionally find people that they judge worthy. And when they do, at least the devout ones, do what they're supposed to they leave them alone after that they might have destroyed their lives but that's just the the fact that it's like Lankayan faith is the bedrock of of this whole Theban sorcery thing so if that's the case how does that work and if Theban sorcery works how does Kruak work how does um well I'm not going to talk about architects of the monolith because they got their own thing but it's like how does anyone else deny it do they just not care like I guess they can I guess you can be a, an agnostic or I guess indifferent vampire and going on and uh, well, they're already damned. So what's <laughs> more is going to happen. <laughs> you know, in my, in my echo chamber of making this stick, what helped me to figure this out was to say, it's almost better said, at least for me, the link sanctum. If you had it ran by a mortal, if it was a ghoul, that was a priest for the church. Then that, and that person was taught by an angel and they have blood sorcery, but really it was like, much like Kurak was described. Here's this priest who gets corrupted by the blood and vampires corrupting everything around them. That's mm-hmm. what happened. And they turned around and taught their insights, but really it's because faith mixed with this bastardization created a something unholy. And that was what the Lankia Sanctum wield, this step in sorcery. And I was like, but the book doesn't say that. And that's me adding stuff to it. And where that's good fiction, good fanfic. Um, ultimately, what we're talking about is Something that fits in the game and people have been using it and it is cool. Like to read it, it does read pretty awesome. It's a great Mm -hmm. covenant. It's just, it's one of those things. And the only thing I've read up to this point where I've been like, I I just don't get it. I I just don't, it doesn't, it doesn't click clean. And so therefore it's like, Hmm, I don't know. I get it. You were cause, cause here's why the moment you're taught by an angel, I unplug. Right. To me, it's that's something else. And that's cool. Um, I'd, I'd play it. I'd represent it. But it's like, you know, huh, huh, OK, I guess. And here we are. Add further. Maybe this would make sense when we talk about this book opening up to kind of wild casting. Of blood ritual of a blood mm-hmm. sorcery that they have in there. What are your guys's take on that? Like the aspects of it and what they do? Because when I heard spontaneous casting of blood sorcery. I really kind of wigged right in my brain. Mm-hmm. I was like, son of a bitch, it's Mage the Ascension. They brought it to Vampire. Why? Why would you do that? Because you have a gimmick for one brand. Why is that brand now jumping and smashing together in something else? Because it's not that I won't play Mage the Ascension or or um, I have played. I played the Mage over on this uh, Chronicles of Darkness side, too. Um, and I thought Awakening, it was even yeah. forget it. Mage the something or other. The Awakening. Awakening, yeah. Both were fine. Yeah. It's. It's just I didn't want to dance with it in Requiem. And when I saw it here, that there's spontaneous blood ritual, whatever, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I read it. I saw it. I saw the parameters and I got it. And it freaking feels the same. Am I wrong? Okay. If I am just what y'all's take. On the, the, the improvised rituals. Yes. Uh, okay. The improvised. So when you were saying like, I thought you said spontaneous, like they can like, you know, uh, Laura flames fire out of your hands. That's not, you never um, know. that's not, that's not what it is from what I read. Well, yeah, but like the, I, I see what you're saying, but like, it mm-hmm. is still like a, a 
ritual thing? Is that is that on par? Like it's not. It's ugh, let me stop stumbling over my words. I think that'll help everyone involved. Um, <laughs> the point of the improvised ritual is that it is just it is a ritual that you are making. You are making right there. It's not one where you can like you know cast fireball immediately. It still takes that time and that preparation. It's just not one that's been taught to you. So it is all improvised rituals while that sounds like, oh, well, then why wouldn't I always do improvised rituals? It's because, number one, they're always they're always weaker because they're they're new. They're not trained like the point of rituals is that at some point they become rote. Rituals are the same every time. Like if you go to like <laughs> the ascension, same thing. Uh, yeah. OK. <laughs> <Rose>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but like uh, anyway. It's the point that even with uh, even with Theban sorceries, like uh, all rights came from this angel and nothing else was ever made. It absolutely has. That's that's straight up just dogma lie. Uh, And there are other lances that have, uh, you know, accepted that like, oh, this came from divine revelation because revelation is ongoing. You know, all this stuff to explain how people can experiment. But the, the biggest thing with that is, I think, from a mechanical standpoint, that players are not limited to everything that's already in the book. You can make your own. You can have in your setting that this these are rights that are specific to these domains such that like um this uh, hell we can go into uh one of my favorite things called dune. We there's rights and rituals that the uh act, a circle of the crone could have in a certain area that are devoted to uh, like shaping or communing with the land but it was made for this river specifically. Right. So going into other places, they have to change it and such. But I think you're saying you're, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Oh, I'm picking up what you're putting down. And that's and that's what I was hoping it wasn't. Because <laughs> there was a, and here's why. Aren't you tired of somebody telling you we're going to give you the system of how to make your own stuff? But buy this book so you know how to do it when you didn't need to buy this book to know how to do that. If I'm going to homebrew my own game, I don't need your parameters to homebrew my own stuff. I, I I get what you're coming from with that. Um, I I do like it, and the reason why is people are going to do it anyway, and there are always going to be there are always going to be people that have questions or like a, a player that says, "Hey, this is a new ritual I want," and it's like vastly overpowered because it's like let me let me tell you let me tell you something right there. I, mm-hmm. I feel that's not true. You do? I feel that's not true, and I'll tell you why. When they made it possible to make your own blood blood thaumaturgy. Right, mm-hmm. people were pissed off because the whole point is I pay you, the entertainer, the ones who write the material, the ones who come up with it, for the powers in the book, so we could sit back and say if it's good or it's bad, that it's cool or it's not, and we enjoy your books increase in value when you have defined powers and where it came from in there, and the money is there when you have mm-hmm. a book. No one cares about your fluff, but if you add disciplines, new powers, combo powers, people bought that book. And it could quote to you those powers. But when you told them, now you have to put an effort. Not only did you pay your 39 bucks, whatever the cost was for the book, and, and you read the rules for it, you now need a doctorate to go through and now work with and now collaborate with a storyteller to get a bunch of weird, quirky, quirky powers for one character, one character that you're going to have to come up with your own to say, I have my own cool special power. When if you're a storyteller, you're already going to be annoyed because isn't there a book of powers already? Mm-hmm. That you could have picked and chosen that. Why don't they fit? Why don't they work? And ultimately, if that player goes, 
uh, I want something closer, but I want to make a little change. Sure. He, they're just, they're not going to go to this book and start from scratch and build it from the ground up and go up. What they're going to take is maybe 30 seconds top and go, all right. So you want your wolf claws to be branches instead that somehow do the same damage. Yeah. Sounds great. Go ahead and do that. We'll make that, we'll make that note next to the discipline uh, because you're a vegan and somehow the curse represent, I don't know. It's a bad analogy, <laughs> but you want to make a change like that. You could make a change like that. It's your game. Do mm-hmm. what you want. And so when I had here and I got to here and I said, here's the potential, and I hope they didn't do what Mage did, but I like the idea of the parameters being, here's these categories of what it could be. Mm-hmm. And then as I read it, I realized, man, this is more mechanical than anything else to just say this is a ground up building. Mm-hmm. And I said, but the point of a ritual, you know, what I'm saying is the point of a ritual is that it's a rite, it's a ritual. Back in the day, somebody did this already and they did this for a reason. It's not supposed to be I, the player, you think of something cool I want to do in 2022. And, and because of that, this is now a ritual. There needs to be a purpose for that ritual, doesn't there? Because if an angel taught it to somebody back in the day, shouldn't there be? Doesn't it make it more special that there are set rituals this angel taught? And it's in this special book that we have somewhere. And this is why it's important to be in this covenant is because we're the ones with the special rights that are in this book that exist. And otherwise you can't do it. But when you open a door to anybody can build whatever they want and come to you to just do that, even I would say, especially mechanic wise, it loses its flavor to me because you just took the special out of what you had there because exclusivity is its own reward. That's the privilege. Take take in point an easier one. I see you trying to wrap your brain around it. What is the point of the order drag cool? They're trying to overcome the banes of their existence, right? A vampiric condition. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. allegedly Dracula who put them on this task, right? It's the dragon itself that put them there to figure it out and get it going, which means anything they came up with that's there is cool as hell because it's like, it's not just vampires who want to be rid of it. It's the vampire who wanted to be rid of it, like the most famous of them all. And that made it special. Like you knew you were working for old Drac when that, when that comes down. So that's fine. Or the brides of Dracula or count motherfucking Dracula, the gang girl, mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, you knew you were doing something with it. And there's a lot that can come under that umbrella. That's okay. But when we're talking the danger of actually codifying something and saying, this is a discipline for me, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, you know, what is the real purpose of Theban sorcery? If it's not special to what is already written. In fact, they're saying there's a lot more. And, it, and it's like, as they said in this book, it's inexhaustible. There are so many rituals and rites that have come up through the history of time that it right. just it just whatever. Well, if that's that simple, at what point do all covenants know what these powers are? Because how did you keep a lid on all these rites and rituals across the known world nobody knew? But now suddenly it's but you make it up. To me, it feels like, what did I pay you for on a level? And it's like, all right, cool. Thank you for the parameters. We'll get that. We'll add it to the shelf of we're never using it. What I'm trying to tell you is help me save this part of the book to realize. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, DJ. Hit me. So I feel two ways about it because I, in my head, I do agree with the theme and sorcery one, if only because of how the information is being presented. I would rather write as a storyteller a ritual that hasn't been discovered yet as the main plot point for something, right? Like a Cthulhu Mythos type of ordeal of like, they all have different names, but whatever. I'll just create one on the thing. And the book helps with at least letting us know, especially because it lets you know, like, for example, Blood Scourge. Blood Scourge is a combination of the transmutation of blood, but also destruction. And as a storyteller, it gives me the mm-hmm. opportunity to go like, okay, in the future, I want to write this story for, let's say, a group of crusaders. 
who weren't meant to find any information because the Lancea, the Lancea just sent them out to do something. And that's one thing. On the other hand, I see it more adaptable for Kruak, if only because it's the definition of self. And at one point, someone had to come up with these sorceries that haven't been discovered yet, right? And then they codify it thereafter. But someone will always have to be the person to initiate it, much like a bloodline. And I think in the hands of a storyteller, or at least from the way that I'm viewing it initially, I would be the one crafting these things for the character, or at least working at one point with a Kruak player or a Circle of Chrome player to create something for them, or on the hand of a Theban sorcery player to discover something that has not been found yet. Because those things still have been hidden, and they might have not just found it. I think that's I think that's a good idea, but I also think that's the duh. That's uh, the I'm, point, right? You're right. a storyteller. Your job is to create what isn't there. You have the right plot for it, and that's what I'm saying. But in a per, in a per, in a point of that I'm making, in a purchase mm-hmm. of a new book, unique enough to spend your money on your hard-earned dollars. Did you want to sit around all day and theory craft and come up with something new? Or were you looking to buy a book that had fresh continuation of the stuff that you were hoping one day they would pull out and put new powers in your hand? All ready to go. Do you see what I'm saying? What did you prefer? Yeah. Because when I'm thinking of previous books in the past and what I feel this book came out of was a hype for, when you had was a blood magic, secrets of thaumaturgy, when that came out, that was powers in hand research. Yeah already put and you were like wow this gets deep we have egyptian sorcery here so there's that set i pop but they don't leave it to just that you know there was the weird um oh well there's also absu portal and all those weird powers that came out of everywhere else that required you to even look up the culture it came from to better understand how to portray it in character but there was connections and ideas and thoughts and great this felt like well we could have gave you theban more powers and we could have gave you more correct but instead you create what you want isn't that cool and then we skip on and get to uh what is it the uh the threnodies which which is cool but that's uh mm-hmm. just uh one parting thing with that before we go on to threnodies if this if this whole book was like the whole blood sorcery section was just about how to make your own i'd agree with that but the that that part of it is is really just like a component of it with the improvised rituals. With the rest of it, it does highlight it more with those different things, themes inside it, because we didn't even really talk about that. You got five different things, uh, creation, destruction, divination, protection, transmutation, right? In each one of those blood sorcerers we have focuses on them differently. So what that does is they, they do reference several older uh, rituals from like the first edition book, but it shows how they are used differently, what those components are coming from. Mm-hmm. And it really opened it up. As, and then even again, where it's like, these are different ways you can use the rituals. You can have this ritual effect a certain radius, but it's going to be more difficult in that capacity. It expanded the already existing for me. And that's the biggest thing I take away from that section. And, and what I'll say to that is seeing on the sausages made does help you work in the parameter of what they were doing, but you're really doing their work for them. That's what you're really doing. When you're telling me that you're spellbound by it, that's great, or that you think it's good, they're showing you the parameters and the scope and scale that they use to keep it on the level. And I really do trust that you could do that for your own game without that, because I haven't seen anybody do this ever come up with this. And so when I saw it, I sat to my, like, when you look at the parameters they give you, I want you to think about spheres again. Think of Mage the Ascension. It's the same Mm -hmm. thing. Here are your spheres. You can make an effect happen out of any of this. And here are what the different levels 
would be and what they would look like within that, like destruction one through five. And it lists what each level would be and how it gets stronger and stronger. And it's like, do I need, what am I looking at here? Well, you could take a look at any of the spheres and mage to go one through five. And they do the same thing. General knowledge to show you, to give you enough to wet your whistle on what you can do with that and what you can expect. But if you need help, here are the roads to help you understand that. Well, in Requiem, the roads you have for Thebin Sorcerer are correct. They're already written. Mm-hmm. And they come in the book already. Here's what you can chew on. But if you can't find it, here's how you can make more. And here's the parameters. And that's where it is. So we're not agreeing to disagree. I'm not saying that. It's like, I get that. I was just hoping for more. Mm-hmm. That's That was me. And that's just, it's just me. It's not that I'm hard to please. It's just that uh, I'm not, I'll even say it. I'm particularly lazy when it comes to this, because I think the world of the authors who step forward and put their ideas down, much like when you listen to a podcast, you're looking for an opinion of the people you enjoy listening to, not necessarily. Imagine we did this and we go, okay, everybody, we're going to talk about uh, this book piece by piece, chapter by chapter. We'll mention the title and we'll mention what's in here and a brief mechanic overview. And then we'll move on to the next page and then we'll do that. And I'm thinking to myself, doesn't audiobooks, isn't there a, a freaking app that already <laughs> exists for you to get that shit? Like you, you want to be told how this would work or to disagree with someone or to agree, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's where I'm at. So, but it's cool because ultimately on your side of the fence, I see your point clearly and I get it. I was just hoping against hope that I didn't understand what I was looking at. And somehow <laughs> magically there was a book you read and knew about that was like, read this book and now you'll see why. But too many computations to put under one book with ink and make a fair price. We'll just mm-hmm. leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but I think at that point, we'll move on to the next section with Threnities. Um, DJ, do you want to tell us what a Threnity is? A Threnity, funny enough, a Threnity is a song of lamentation. So I guess, I guess the whole Requiem thing, I think we're still going with music somehow or another to, to speak about vampires and dirges and all those names. But in terms of what a Threnity does is the book kind of describes it, especially when they talk about vampires always knowing that there's a piece of themselves that always gets disconnected from them. Right. And in this case, it could be a limb and they regrow it back. It could be, uh, thought process, anything akin to it. But specifically here with a Threnity, as it's brought over to Blood Sorcery, we're taking a look at a piece of a discipline that gets snapped off or it gets cultivated, that they put onto the side, almost like in a reliquary type of sense. Um, it talks about specifically how to create a, a Threnity, specifically that you'll need the same type of components you did when you were doing a blood sacrifice, or rather blood sorcery being a sacrifice. But the other component is actually a song, which was unique about this, right? The song isn't mm-hmm. necessarily a song as in like something that's sung, but it's something that <laughs> just gets verbally said, like a mantra, a chant, something to kind of focus this into being. That's what I got out of Threnody. So, yeah. so I read Threnody's, right? And I'm looking at mm-hmm. it and I see the powerful imagery they have for it. It's a guy who ripped his eyes out over a cup, I believe. Ripped his eyeballs out, blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then you read Threnody, Threnody, and it talks about the agony is the sacrifice, right? It mentions the immaturity of a neonate understanding that there's nothing that would feel as good as the aspect that you can't die anymore, that you're, you get damaged and immediately heal, or pain isn't as severe as it once was because it bounces back. That's the first thing for an immortal. And I was hooked because here I was saying this about Kruak and Theban Sorcery. Where's this tie into being a vampire that it works here? Here's a Threnody. A threnody is actually the song you sing while maiming yourself. Mm-hmm. 
It's and it mm. doesn't have to be a song. Like you could say it's a song. Right. The agony yours you're in, the scream that you have emitted from you is there. And the analogy they give, which is what I enjoyed, because because I think the descriptor here, the fluff makes what a threnity is. No matter what True. the power is, and I don't even care how the mechanic works, it's knowing that the way they see it, the beast disciplines is but the call that you're plucking at. It's the basic aspect of the beast that you're pulling on that it can do for you. You're not fully opening yourself up to it. But when you put yourself in an agonized state in a, or, or in a state uh, in, in a purpose of, well, because it's always pain and then it's mm-hmm. the song itself or the, um, the screamer, what have you, the sound will say, um, this is what helps open you up, an actual threnody. That's what it is. I like to think of it as the song of agony. Because it made sense to me then, because that's what they're really saying. But it's for you. It's the self. The aspect that I have to harm myself in order to let this sound go, letting go being the key that allows the beast to open up full bore and give me the full power that it has to force and utilize a discipline. Right? It's the, what do they call that? And what is it? Not Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, it is Dragon Ball Z. The plus one. Or the powering up the sensu bean, I guess you eat to activate oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. power is what a threnody yep. is. Oh uh, yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was so like, what is he talking about? Power level increase. <laughs> um, but why that imagery is so powerful, because to me it ties into um something that voodoo would do. Right? Like a like a like a crazy ritual rite that you saw, and they're like, don't go to these guys, because they get mm-hmm. wild and crazy what they open themselves up in. And they cut down their arm as they chant something, and everyone's screaming out a sound, and in that agony, something happens, something magical, and something mm-hmm. terrific. That's how I took it. And uh, why I say it that way is to add that little pop to what you basically said, DJ, which is more or less close to it. But the book does highlight that in Eternity, it's important of those two aspects, the sacrificial pain that also meets the sound or the song in this case, whatever you choose. Um, but beyond mm-hmm. that, here's where I jumped. Here's where I was like, so I put this on my little sheet. I have a threnody, but I didn't get the feeling that I knew how I get access to this or where it even came from. That's, that's where I turned to you. That's my question to you guys. I hear about threnody. I see what it is, but how exactly did this come about? So it's um they only talk about it briefly in the beginning. This is uh, but an important aspect of Threnities that differs from the blood sorcery we just talked about. There's no teachers for Threnities. Like people can can tell you, yeah, it's a thing you can do, but it's not something you can be walked through. There's no like primer for it. The the aspect of it is that you have to have like a close call with your beast because it is just a deal with the beast. You're giving me a look. I'm not giving you a look. It's the look I wish the author who wrote that can actually see on my face. The the <laughs> fact that it's awesome, and it would be even awesomer to know there's like a church of Threnodies, right? To me, I was hoping to hear a story about how later on there's a it's a second edition, right? This throw in, this throw up, uh, the add two of the Threnodies. So I was hoping there was like a dark church of Lankia Sanctum. That has like these hardcore adherents that are flagellants or something that through pain, they made a deal with the beast or learn how to touch it or talk about it. I mean, this is the game that gave us uh, those uh, badass. Um, they're not they're not Satanists, but it's the bodily knockoff. <laughs> they gave you Theron's. I think it is called or Aeons or whatever it is. Yeah, the Theron's the, 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 yeah, the, something like the Theron. Brood. 
Yeah. <laughs> Belial's Brood. Those guys are awesome. To me, they use Threnodies. Mm-hmm. They would be one mm-hmm. that would know some powerful ass Threnodies based on what they could do. So I was like yeah. hoping for that. But you're you're telling me I'm wrong? Like that's not Yeah, I, I'm to touch on that a little bit. The uh the Belial's Brood, they don't fully like just throw off humanity well almost they do right they they don't try to stay connected to the human society and the threnities are not necessarily about that but like we were just talking about they have a cost that's in pain belial's brood also has a strong strong uh sense that it is like a willpower thing right like the whole left-handed path they are about like um not being held down by the whims of like others or by systems of morality that they didn't make. Whereas the beast doesn't give a shit about that. It doesn't even care. Like from some of these sample threnities that are in the book, right? You have sample sacrifices. A couple of them are like you spend all half of all your vitae in a sprint. Your beast in that instance doesn't care about the vitae you're spending. It but cares about the, the pain you're in. Remember the point, though, you can't walk away from in Bilal's Brood. The youthful, the young in Bilal's Brood think, as you just said, we're left-hand path, mm-hmm. we're Satanists, we're going to turn over cars and burn stuff down and wear bloody handprints of pentagrams and do all that. They're the ones that get killed. They're the ones that get smoked, and their elders enjoy that. Go raise all the smoke, draw all the attention so they never find what I'm doing. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. what they're really doing is that they themselves are still giving themselves up to that internal evil. They're in, they're in an eternal pursuit of that connection with the beast and letting go of the humanity. That's, I remember us reviewing that book very clear. That's what it was. Right, the imagery right. yes. was power through the beast, but you didn't have anything to represent that. Right. But sorry. So to, to highlight that difference where I, I was saying threnodies wouldn't be something Belial's brood wor- uses because they pursue the beast of closeness with it from a different capacity in threnodies. It's not really about becoming closer to your beast so much as your beast taking from you. Does that make sense? So yes and no. If I if, let me see first, think I, I think I think I re, you reach me here and understand. Yeah, you're saying the needful point is, is blau, the blau brood. Well, needful things. I don't want to go there because okay. hear what I think you're saying first before we jump to a deal being made. Okay. I think it's cheesy as fuck that we're making a deal with ourselves. Your beast and you are one and the same. Let's cut the shit. The rules say it. The fluff say it. Your beast is you. You're in denial with your humanity trying to stop your inevitable descent to realize and reconcile the fact that you are the monster within. When you're a vampire, you are a monster wholeheartedly. How long it takes you to get there is up to you. For some, it's centuries. They don't ever want to give up control, and that's what it is. But they do suffer these impulses. That impulse takes over. That is a source of power. They begin to understand that. But you still rail and fight against that. And if you don't understand that, there it is plain as a nose on your face. Mm -hmm. It's your instinct. That's what the beast becomes. And so, or that's what the beast is flat out. That's what you become. So if we understand that, then this aspect that you're sitting alone in the dark and suddenly you in a red suit is going to come walk out in some Mephistophian deal to say, hey, if you give me a little bit of you, I'm going to give you a lot of me. And this is going to work out. And then, no, don't do this to yourself, Bob. Don't. It's that, that, that's what it kind of sounds like. But what I'm hoping you're saying is you throw, because that's the needful things approach I was seeing. Mm-hmm. But what I think you're saying, and what makes a lot of sense, is the connection of the fact that the sacrifice is your pain. You're letting go through pain, first off. That's what it says in the Threnody. The mm-hmm. pain you put yourself in, the agony, the sacrifice, that's what allows the beast to jump forth right. and utilize the said power. I'm there with you. But mm-hmm. 
in the context of what we were saying with Bilal's brood, is that different in their pursuit? I would say yes. And the reason why is because in my mind, Therinities are really only used by kindred who still have that desire to fight off their beast, maintain their humanity to some degree, but they're in a situation where they're like, well, I will give this up in exchange for this more power, right? It's, it's people that are not trying to reach that closeness like the elders of the Belial's brood are, but people that are just looking for power in that beast sees an opportunity for the beast. It's an opportunity to get closer to the surface. That there is another chip being eroded away in a wall. That is that humanity that keeps that person or the memories of that person still in control. That's keeping that beast in a cage. I would. And that pain Uh, just feeds that. I would counter if only because the way I see Threnities, especially the way that they're described, we'll use an example so our, our listeners can understand. So one of them is called Kill the Messenger, right? It's a, it's an extension of Feral Whispers, it says. It's a level one where essentially you say something to this animal, right? In this case, we'll use a, a raven. This raven is going to repeat the exact same phrase until it dies. Because of what it's been instilled with, it's dying by the hour, just repeating the same thing over and over and over again until it pops and it just explodes in a bloody mess, right? Now, how do I express that in terms of a beast, especially when you're calling it to the fore? If your pain allows you to summon the beast much in a quack-like fashion, because once again, we're talking to the beast, that's that's part of the whole point of the blood sorcery itself or why we're talking about this being something that's innate to a vampire they just haven't tapped into. So the beast comes forward and like a hot air balloon, you have that balloon waiting and you're hoping that helium just fills up because you're going to be amazed by what this beast is going to show you, right? Boom, bam, this thing does an amazing thing in front of you. This is pretty amazing. Look at it. I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I had it in me to be able to do that in the first place. And even mechanically, it tells you if you do something that normally you wouldn't have done in the first place, especially if it's beyond your means to do so, you've communed sufficiently with the beast that for you to be able to learn the next level of that discipline that it would match to, becomes that much easier because you know what it's calling for you, right? If it's the same thing, you're not going to learn anything from it, but it's you're pretty much poking it to pinprick to see the inside of what it does. It might do it in such a fashion where it's unrefined and definitely scary, uh, and it brings forth that corruption for you, but at least you'll know how to hone it in once you start getting closer to it. So I don't see it off the marker for a Bilal brood member because it's only something to learn from, especially if they are being able to... It's all about mastery, right? Self-mastery at one point or another... Not so much to give in, but to be of. Or at least that's the way I interpret it. So I was I was actually well, you you about had me. I was I was a fish on your fishing pole, DJ, up until you you said it's about mastery of the self, because I don't think Threnities are a mastery of yourself because it's not coming from what you are actively doing. It is you making a sacrifice to that that bestial part of yourself. Oh, of course. I'm that's not still what no I'm hung that. up on. Right, I'm not saying well, no to that. What I'm saying well, the, is it's a tool. When you spend your blood, you're making a sacrifice of the life you stole to fuel the power that the beast has again. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's that's that. This is going that plus one. Right? Yes. Remember what it says. When you use your blood, that blood that you stole, that's still you fueling yourself to have the minor power, as they're referring to it. Mm-hmm. However... Go that plus one, you have to, you got to give more for it. It's not good enough that you're trying to tap a blood source for it that is that you already have, that the beast doesn't care, it's sated. What this is referring to is that you're in such a state of agony, you 
basically it's you letting go. You have no way to reach that extra level unless you do something that puts you in that state of pain. So right? are you agony itself? Are you so, saying it's it's more akin? It's not just like a sacrifice given to the beast, but it's more like almost like an order of the gash thing, where it's like going through such trauma or pain brings yes. you to like a higher level. Okay, that's exactly that, what it's doing. That I can get behind a hundred percent. I didn't get that from the reading, but now now that you say that. Well, I'm I'm behind that. I'm all about that. Remember the picture it uses in the discussion it says. It says, uh-huh. it which shows a guy ripping out his eyeballs with a smile on his face as he's probably singing or reciting a poem. Because you could do a poem if you want to. Mm-hmm. Right? It uh-huh. mentions that too, something personal. Their example is that a person uses their epitaph from when they went to their own funeral. Mm-hmm. To wound themselves and do this, and that's fine. They even mention that you grab someone you love. Can you imagine that? That you're grabbing someone that you're going to rip apart and hurt, but not kill because you'll need them for later rituals down the road, maybe another threnody. But you have to actually hurt yourself to allow that part of you to step to the fore. Well, why is that? Well, because your humanity is what's keeping the shackles and the beast within. That's what's stopping it from coming out and using its full power to the bore. And that's how and that's how it is. Bringing full power to bear your shackles, if you will. And so the aspect of removing those shackles is doing something that Purely the beast could be the only thing to answer to. They even have that picture of that set of a raven sitting on the shoulder of that person who is allowing the raven to gnaw their ear into a bloody mess. But mm-hmm. clearly that vampire is using it for something. I don't even know what Threnody that is. But the artwork pretty much puts it right in the wheelhouse of what they're getting at. Through pain is power. Right? Their agony leads them to this. Now, why is that? Well, they describe the beast in here, too, again, as being a thing of not just instinct, of darker impulses and even worse. Why? You're a monster. You're not maybe a monster. You're not sometime a monster. You are a monster all the time. Your delusion is your humanity. That's what makes you a playable character. But let's face it, you're, you're that entity. And so to tap into that side of you that not even you are willing to let go to allow more power to come through, you have to harm yourself to do it. This is why I said, because you bring up order the gash, someone had to teach you how to go that far and harness your real power. And it's a great mentor to sin relationship, if you prefer to call it that. But mm-hmm. I also understand why maybe they avoided that, because there is such a thing as flagellants in different religions that used pain. Yeah to open himself to a higher power and that sort of thing. And that's why I said, uh, where I didn't say it, but that's when the beginning, I was like, Brent, I can get your point that you could use eternity in a, I won't say lighter tone, but not all of them mention ripping yourself apart or whatever. You know, they have milder versions of what one can do for yeah, less. One of them is like nail and hair clippings. Oh no. Right. Well, yeah. It's, it's nail and hair clippings, but to what end? And are you eating them? That it mm-hmm. doesn't get specific on. Because mm-hmm. that's the part that's, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's not enough. Let's just call it what it is. It's, it's, an, edge, it's an edgelord power. That's what it is. It's how close to the razor's edge are you going to get with this description to mm-hmm. warrant the power you're going to get. And really, mm-hmm. it's an edgy thing to do. But that's kind of fun. In yeah, the aspect of what we're doing. That's <laughs> kind of fun. I mean, to me, it's we're, a cool power. I we're playing a vampire game. Everyone, everyone playing a vampire is an edgelord. I'm, I am sorry, listeners, if I have burst in a bubble here, <laughs> but I am not. I'm. Join me on this side of the non-denial of of edgelordness. Like, there's certainly degrees of it. All right, we're not on the extremes of it. But uh, anyway, 
But that said, that's a that's Thrinity's, and I know there's a lot that it goes into with Thrinity, which I like. But again, uh-huh. the book's not long, mm-hmm. so I mean, if you agree with that, Brennan, I don't know if there's other points you want to hit. Um, other than like, there's a third section that. Go- oh, sorry, were we going to the third section? No, I'm with you. Yeah, that's dude. It's your it's okay. your thing. I may have co-opted stolen points, but that's just to understand. That's why I turned it back over to you. Oh, all good. Um, yeah, uh, there's there's still a lot of material for only seventy two pages. Um, but uh, I know we're getting close to time here, so we'll hit this last part pretty quick. It is the smallest part after all, and that is the antagonist section because it's not just just Threnities and sorceries. It also goes into the pe- the folks that use it. Um, so I've thrown stuff to DJ in the beginnings of everyone, but uh, Bob, did you have a favorite antagonist when you were going through this section? Anyone that I stood out? Ah, uh, like there's there's a there's a thing that happens. Okay, what's the title of the book? Uh, it is Blood. It's I always get that wrong. I always say no. It is Blood Sorcery Sacrament Sacraments and Blasphemies. It's a mouthful. So, so what I'm saying is, as I got to the section, I saw like the Sons of Phobos, right? Uh-huh. And I'm expecting to get some hardcore. We use all the stuff that's been up to this point, and you know we're maybe that type of thing. But that's mm-hmm. that's not what this is. No. <laughs> Right. So at this point, I went, all right, well, the introduction of the book wasn't much. And there's some stuff. I hate to be the guy to go. I get a book and all I have to do is complain about it. It's not what I did. I wanted to understand what I didn't understand. And that's, you Mm -hmm. know, I would have listened to this podcast uh, to get a better insight in the book I bought. But my point is the Sons of Phobos sounded cool. And then Mm -hmm. I started reading them and I went, okay, they're antagonists. But how do they relate to the book as a whole? Like, that's the part that threw me for a loop. Going through this, did you find the connector for it? Because I did not. For the Sons of Phobos, they are um, they're uh, they are an antagonistic bloodline that do use Kruak, um, and they are a more mystical focused bloodline. But they're not; they don't really highlight anything here. It's more like, hey, these are these are NPCs you can use that do have mas- mystical connections that aren't part of covenants. So are they antagonists or are they an optional bloodline they're pitching here? Because that's what so I'm referring gets, to. Uh, they're still an optional bloodline, but like a- antagonist is going to be see it is going to be a term that's thrown around for any NPC in a lot of Chronicles of Darkness stuff. Um, so it's more like just because it's an antagonist doesn't mean it's going to be it's designed to be the big bad. Well, I understand what an antagonist is. We understand what an SPC or an NPC is whatever flavor you want mm-hmm. to call it. But like when I see an antagonist, I'm thinking this is supposed to go up against the players and how to use it. Here's its oh. history. And here's what goes yes. on. Cause that's what an antagonist is mm-hmm. to, to the protagonist. Right. And I, and I get right. that. But at the same time I sat there and I said, like, okay, what am I reading here? Like, is this should, I, I would let a player play this. Like I don't under, mm-hmm. you know? So I was really hoping you could shed some light on like, some tips on how to use your your favorite one out of here. For me, it was Sons of Phobos. I'll give you that right there. And yeah, they use correct. But I again, I sat there and went, or there's got to be another book. Like I kept feeling I was missing a book that might have like brought in this up or given you the idea of how you would use these guys to like in a chronicle to a more effect. Or were they just saying, hey, you know, here's some stuff we had sitting on the shelf of some cults that would use Kurak and Thebin and, and here they are and we'll throw them in this book, but we're going to call them antagonists because we recommend they're not that big. Here they are. STs have a heyday because they're not templated either. 
the the biggest thing for them, and I think why they were called bloodlines and not or called antagonists, not bloodlines, because they're technically not even kindred from what they are. They still feed off of Vitae, but they don't they don't have fangs. They don't drink blood. They rip hearts out of people, and they use literal hearts blood to infuse themselves. That's pretty hardcore. That is pretty edge lordy. That's towards the edge of it. I'm not gonna lie but it's also pretty cool. That is a big reason why you could use them as antagonists, especially if it's a a chronicle where there's not a lot of mystical focus that could turn some heads because bodies keep popping up. There's no hearts, the heart side or outside of it. What is going on? But for, for any characters that are heavy into um, blood sorcery, uh, that is a very big head turner because this antagonist section is out of left field section. That's what it is. You've got all so, your players. They've read the blood sorcery. They know how this works, and then they get cocked on the side of the head by someone because they're like, I had no idea this could exist or this is how this would work. Now, why I wanted you to pause there was because I, I, I led you on a chase here when I said I'd let one of my players play this. And here's the thing. When I mentioned Son of Phobos specifically, and we talk about antagonists, I, my whole problem was that they had Gruak. Mm-hmm. Was that was that the, is that, that something? Is that where you're looking to the side, DJ? I uh, my 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 feelings on it. You you hit me upside the head with it too. Is it's a mixed bag. Like this section is a mixed bag. Um, Son of Phobos, I, I I I could understand what Kruak is in there, but I guess they put Kruak in there because it's how if the game was templated, it, it's a bestial thing from within instead of outside. It's weird. It's weird. I don't even know how to explain it. I can tell you that. The only way it makes sense to me, and I didn't even choose Sons of Phobos, I actually chose the Empty Liars. You son and the of a bitch, I, DJ. The only reason I chose the Empty Liars, so I was like, wait a second, how did they introduce Demon the Descent into Vampire this early in the game? <laughs> what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? So it's not even that they're vampires. It's just somehow, some way, an anomaly happens where these beings just exist. And to everyone else, they're normal beings. If you ask Brennan whether or not his significant other was real, he'll say, yeah, she's real. I've been with her for like three years. But when you try looking up whether or not she exists, no paperwork, nothing. And when any vampire feeds on them, actually, if any auspex is used on them, all they see is a hollow shell, literally a hollow shell, as in like there's a skin that might be crinkled up from their perspective. But when they feed on them, here's where the kicker lies. Anyone who feeds on them who doesn't have any type of Theban or blood sorcery, in any way, shape, or form, or even Kruak. If you feed more than the levels that you have attained to you, you go mad. You've mm-hmm. now tapped into the universe that you've not even known before. Whereas if you have some discipline with a level of blood sorcery, whatever it might be, Kruak, Theban, whatever you choose to build up for yourself, then it gives you more insight about the world that you're tapping into. And I was like, all right, I guess I could kind of see it, but I really do feel uh, unfiltered. This was their introduction, like, this is demon descent that they, all right, you've fed into something, maybe tapped into the God machine. Cause why else so, would you exist in that fashion? So you're, you're with me on that boat. Like the idea and in, in capacity of the sons of Phobos, why I was against them having Kruak is cause wait a second. I thought Kruak was vamp only. Mm-hmm. That's where uh-huh. that went. Right. And that's why, and it's like, so you're these guys are in this book because they have Kruak and that's the qualifier. But then what is Kruak? We're back to that. And but I, we're not going to, think- we're not going to open that wound. I'm just pointing yeah. out. That's where I was like, Eh? <laughs> the only thing I could think of is that it's just correct mechanically, but what they do is actually different. But that gets into a whole other ball of wax. Um, it's cool. As, to, as for me, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was oh, just saying right, it's I'll... it's it's good to flush your mind. I guess that's all I was saying. Please, I feel like we were we could have like kept mirroring each other for a while. Um, anyway, because DJ stole mine, the empty liars hey, are great. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'll go with the ash that devours. Um, what is that? You might say. Do I should I clean out my cigarette tray if I'm a vampire? Number <laughs> one, fire is not good for vampires in general. Uh, you don't look edgy as a vampire when you're smoking cigarettes. I'm just saying you're a fire hazard and you're not invited to my Elysium. Uh, however, the ash that devours is a somewhat rare occurrence that can happen to kindred that are somewhat experts in, in blood sorcery and unfortunately might meet final death. Maybe as the side effect of some blood sorcery ritual that goes wrong, you fall to final death at the bottom of your secret laboratory. Uh, the sun comes up, your body dissolves to ash. And then a week later, cause you don't have a ghoul to come by and clean up cause you don't let him have the keys. You can't trust him here. That magic that you had done throughout all of your unlife that you have done so often in your laboratory leaves a mark like what I was talking about before with that connection, that contamination worm. It infuses things around you and even your ashes. You don't really come back. Final death is always final, but there are echoes or uh, after effects of all that blood magic you've used that can animate and while it might not have disciplines anymore it still does have knowledge of your blood sorcery i th- i think Freight is a fan i'm that's, leaving that, the cat meowing in that, that's caster and he wants back in that's uh not the, <laughs> trying to talk to moa but the uh I'll leave it to to uh, hey. It's is there anything else? I'm I'm just going to ask that because uh, um, this is about as awkward of a podcast as I've been on for a while. If only because I'm somehow more churned up about <laughs> Requiem and not attached to it than I ever have been. If there was ever mm. a book that wedged me away from it, this was it. And it's not. It's not that it's like. Let's let's face it. When I play a game right and it's called vampire may it be just that Mm -hmm. and there's and there's all sorts of stuff that could relate to it whatever but this you can get far enough away from it where it doesn't feel that way anymore yeah right that it's becoming something else and this feels like it's mutating now we're still along for the ride i'm not canceling anything but i'm just like that's that's my gut going jesus what's the next book you know where we're like discussing what happens with the Tyranids encounter vampires or whatever, like look for that book. Like, I don't know. No, that's uh that's one of the blood horrors books. And that one came out like <laughs> two years ago. It's going to take us Jesus. a while to get there. Um, I'm only half joking. Uh, no, this book is, uh, this is one of my favorites, but I am also a fan of like weird fiction. And this is definitely the weird entry into vampire, the masquerade. It does have a lot of, left field things and things that aren't typically like uh stereotypically vampire and it's weirder because you meant requiem and said masquerade did don't, i don't oh take my masquerade God. with this holy you keep shit. it to requiem that's where that's how usually you know he got left field in. He got, usually he got. i make the other mistake and be like all right let's get started for requiem I'm like brennan we're in camarilla elysium you're supposed to meet the prince it's like oh 
So wait, should I put the like the whole like frock thing away? Is this Brennan? Focus up. Usually that's how this goes. Uh, so sorry for my uh, little. Slip this book there. has corrupted Brennan. Mm-hmm. Turns no, out I'm an empty liar. Um, I, I, it's one of those things where um, I know there are people who love it, and uh, I'm assuming it's popular somewhere, and uh, like like around. It's just not popular with me or the or the folks I play with, probably because. You know, we typically, if something feels a little off, we just don't use it. And uh, that's it. But going through with you guys, it does help to give insights into things like Threnities. Um, I had to give mm-hmm. another another shot and going through it and talking mm-hmm. about it. It's really useful. It's it's useful and cool, I should say. That's, a, that's the best part about this book to me. Well, hell yeah. Um, well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, <laughs> that's a good this cover. time I'm looking um, at Brennan like, are we done, bro? Like, what's up? Yeah, we're done. We're done. Sorry, I'm not used to being on this side of the screen yet. Um, no, I, I still like it. Still a thumbs up for me, but it's not like must buy, et cetera, et cetera. DJ, any parting words for our dear listeners? I love Threnities. I think that's the major sell of this book. You heard it here first, folks. I love Threnities. Uh, and I can hear the that, that's my song and my sacrifice. This is the uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and want to support us, please share it with others or leave a review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.